You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get him! Get him! Yeah! Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. 
I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
and uh, I'm grateful for Sportsman's Alliance for uh, considering this, and then uh, Brian Dowler and Brian Lynn as well to uh, to help me push the ball across the goal line on this issue. But effective January one, we'll have all the details laid out in our social media and all that stuff. But basically, what's going to happen is all of our Patreon supporters at the twelve dollar level, we're going to. With the help of Sportsman's Alliance, we're going to get you enrolled as members of the Sportsman's Alliance. That's exciting, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm excited for Sportsman's Alliance, but I'm excited for our houndsmen because um, we've, we've been grateful and, and blessed with the support of houndsmen, and we wanted to do something that was going to have a sustainable future and really put some teeth in our mission to preserve, protect, and promote the sport of hound hunting. So I thank you as well, Brian, you or Todd, you were in on that, on that oh, initial it's, conversation. It, it's fantastic. And in some ways it's a no brainer, um, because, you know, somebody who's worked in, in, in government affairs my entire career, and I've been fighting on behalf of sportsmen and women across this country now for unfortunately, in some ways going on 30 years, I got a lot of gray hair, but I earned every one of them. Right. You've got a funny looking jacket on too. They got you in the asylum there after 30 years working right. in government affairs. Right. <laughs> I think I have advanced admission or something. Right. <laughs> at the, at the end of the day, what this has always been about for me, even though I've worked for some very large and what some would call powerful organizations, including the sportsman's Alliance, it's to me, it's always been about the folks I grew up with and my family members and my community members. And I've always understood that when I walk into a state capitol or the United States Congress or anything like that, it's always about the people out in the world that believe in what I do and bringing them to the public square to fight along with me. So this is about that. This is about expanding, right? my ability yeah. to, to let people know what's happening and get them activated and keep them activated. Cause that's what protecting the future is all about. It, it's about the, the level at, to which we can actually keep folks motivated and activated. Cause we all love it, love what we do. And we, and we do believe in our heritage and our traditions. So it's, it's really exciting for me. Really, really exciting. Well, I, you you hit on a key thing there that that uh, I wanted to comment on. As through your work, I want to talk about your background because I think that's interesting as well. Uh, but through your your work, you mentioned that that you wanted to represent the people, and you thought that was important. And I would imagine that a lot of times, the people that you're talking to, the policymakers and the politicians, they're the ones that need to be reminded of this, and you're taking that message to them. That's right. And and like I said, it, it's always been about just conveying the message. I, I've understood for a very long time, and I guess there are some lobbyists who would boastfully claim otherwise, but the reality is elected officials, even folks who work in state or federal agencies, they respond to the constituents. That's the way it should be, and that's the way it mm -hmm. is. It's not does it what, still happen? Does it, it really it, happen? It really does. And I'm reminded of this often that, you know, we do fall into this belief at times that this is about the rich and powerful, and unless you got a ton of money, 
or wear a really fancy suit or something. No, no, I'm reminded time and again, it's about whether or not the boss, the boss is the constituents. And I, the I, just, I get real cynical. I say they want to keep their job. How do they keep their job? They make sure the constituents uh, agree with them and will vote for them again. So activating folks to reach out, make that phone call, send that email, whatever it is. Trust me, at times it feels like we're, we're slogging uphill, but that's how we win. That's how we yeah. win, keeping folks engaged and motivated. And I, I know a lot of your folks are right there. So I'm really mm -hmm. excited to include them uh, in this, this army that will carry forward to make sure that the right things happen when it comes to government. Let's, let's come back to that, how we can be effective, uh, after we lay some of this other exciting stuff out. Um, and maybe we can tie it into why you've been able to be effective, but sportsman's Alliance, as long as I can remember has been the premier organization that has, you guys have, you guys have tackled, the issues of hound, hounds and hunting. And I mean, you've got a strong history for that. So by us coming into this partnership and agreement with Sportsman's Alliance, what do you see coming out of that? Oh, I, I got to tell you, like, like I said, I, I, I consider myself nothing but a messenger. And the more folks that I can inform and let know what's happening to activate them into mm -hmm. calling and emailing and and all of that, that's what I see coming out of this, that in fact, the crowd that you talk to on a regular and routine basis will now have so much more information that they might not otherwise get just by being a member of the Sportsman's Alliance. They're gonna get alerts, they're gonna get newsletters. So they are gonna be completely up to date about what's happening at the state level as well as the national level. And again, for me, it's the model has always been real simple is the phone ringing and is the message coming through to elected officials about what we want as the, their constituents. So for me, it, it's I've always kept the math that simple. I've, I believe yeah. I've never won a bill, like killed a bill or passed a bill because I, I've made such a powerful individual argument. <laughs> I believe, right? It just doesn't yeah. happen that way. It is about their constituents, the boss, letting them know how they feel about something. So it, it's just this constant kind of feedback. You know, Sportsman's Alliance sends the message out. We alert folks. This bill is being heard in committee. You need to let folks know. Or this bill's coming up on the floor. You need to let folks know. And we've always, from the very beginning, you know, we were founded in the late 70s. Hounds and, and hunting with dogs and hounds has always been among, you know, our specialties, if you will, the folks that we're going to be first to the fight, we're going to be last to the fight, and every every problem we hear about, we're going to come running to help out, so. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think, why do you, from your, from your perspective, Todd, why do you think houndsmen and hunting with hounds has become such a favorite, if not easy target at times for, uh, the animal rights activists and the people that, uh, that want to restrict our freedoms. Yeah. I think, you know, the one thing we can never underestimate is they're just as smart as everybody else, frankly. And we disagree obviously vehemently with the, their worldview and the world they're trying to create 
and and all of the stuff that we do and all of the traditions we engage in that they just want to cancel outright okay but they're smart and it is just just happens to be true that when you think of the hounding community it is not one of the biggest constituencies among hunters generally right the other thing that they prey upon that is kind of within their arsenal and what we are constantly helping to remind folks of is they love to divide and conquer. They absolutely love to pick on somebody or target a particular activity. And they're hoping that the rest of the hunting community or outdoor community is just going to go, well, that's not me. That's not a big deal. And that hit has been a problem for us now going on four decades. Well, mm -hmm. somebody might say, I'm a duck hunter. What do I care? Right. I'm a deer hunter. What do I care? The great thing about houndsmen that I found, and this has been universally true in my experience, is they will come to the fight on behalf of other members of the broader community. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think from from the anti's perspective, number one, houndsmen aren't the largest constituency, like just coming after deer hunters, so to speak. And right. they're hoping that hunters will go ahead and allow, allow the divide and conquer to kind of help them get what they want. Now, we recoalesce, if you will, Sportsman's Alliance. We've always been about recoalescing the broader community to understand Divided we fall. That's not just a cliche. It's absolutely true. So I, th I think that's the principal reason. But I got to be frank with you. When I look at it over time, uh, I say bring it. I, and to the antis and the rest of them, I say bring it, man. We're ready. You know, we're, I know we're going to talk about it here in this podcast. We just recently filed suit uh, over an issue in the state of Vermont on a national wildlife refuge there. But that's kind of our attitude. And that's mm -hmm. for me, I know I'm, this is a long answer to your question. For me, that's what's so exciting about this program we've now developed with you. Because again, it's about keeping that community together if we care about the future. And I know all of your listeners do. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And that was one of the goals that we had in mind. The, the whole goal of this podcast was always to uh, bring a voice to the hound hunting community, uh, and, and make hound hunting community mainstream in the, in the conversations about hunting and wildlife management and different things like that. And so this partnership with Sportsman's Alliance, we are bringing the community and, and partnering with the, the deer hunters, the duck hunters, the upland game hunters, all those different different organizations, and it makes us stronger as a whole, as a hunting community. I'm, I'm wound up about it. I yeah, can't help I it. I am too, because <laughs> that is the key. That really is long range the key and, and why it is so beneficial for an individual, whatever they do, in this case, houndsmen, to be part of the Sportsman's Alliance, because then, like our alerting system, you will see what's happening in Washington, what's happening in California, what's happening mm -hmm. in the Congress. Because now that I've earned all this gray hair I spoke about earlier, I see how it all fits together and how the antis are very sophisticated in coming after particular groups in particular areas when they feel the moment is right. So when I talk to folks in California 
folks in Alabama might have some understanding once they're a member, oh, this is all related to the next. Right. Because the problem we've seen is a lot of folks in our community, and this is just natural, it's understandable. They may think, well, let's just, I'll pick a state, a very pro-hunting state, you might say is Mississippi, okay? Very few people mm-hmm. would argue with that. Well, folks in Mississippi will often say, well, that's California, what's the big deal? But once right. you become part of an organization like ours, you do start to see, holy cow, I saw a version of that bill last year in an alert in New York state. And now, wait, that kind of sounds the same what's happening yes. here in Alabama or South Carolina, because, you know, houndsmen are very sensitive to the fact that animal welfare bills, they may call them that, they're, but they're really about restricting what we do. And, and we can see this pattern kind of roll across the country. So it is very exciting because your listeners, are going to be that much more ahead of the game when it comes to understanding how kind of complex this animal rights approach is right now. And, and I've seen that myself just in organizing content for the podcast and different things. You see tethering bills that get passed in certain areas or breeding bills. And, and now they're trickling down to hometown USA so when when these groups organize, are they starting in, um, you know, places like California, New York, Washington, Oregon, and then bringing it here? Or are they using the small town community as kind of a petri dish, test ground, and seeing what they can get past in some of the bigger areas? What have you seen there? Yeah, I, I've seen probably what you described in the first instance, where they go to these states that have very heavy, I would call it anti-hunting majorities in the legislatures, right? Where they go ahead and pass a more extreme version of a tethering bill or some other animal animal welfare approach. Mm-hmm. But just this last session, I mean, I, I saw bills in states like Oklahoma and Georgia right and Tennessee. And although they didn't get any traction initially, they showed up, they were introduced. And in some cases, believe it or not, introduced by Republican legislatures. So they almost use the extreme states, if you will, or the more extreme states on the coasts as the place to really reach for the stars from their perspective anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's going to show up in any town USA. It will, some version of that bill will show up. And then before you know it, then that bill, get if it gets passed, well, that doesn't sound like a big deal, right? That's that's not a big deal. I can live with that. Well, then it gets amended right. the next year. And, and that's how New York, Washington, California, over time, You know, I I think I shared this very interesting story with you. For me, very informative story. It was 1995, and this is when I worked for the National Rifle Association, and there was a bear initiative out in Washington State. And I was with a group of sportsmen, a Mm -hmm. big crowd of folks in a room, maybe a couple hundred, about how how are we going to organize, what are we going to do, how bad does does this look, I actually had a gentleman, and at the time he was correct, in a way, he stood up and said, Todd, you keep talking about California. This is Washington. 
this is never going to happen here. Mm. So if you think about conversations you might have with friends in other, what we might describe as pro hunting states now, you might hear the same, oh, come on, they're never going to get anything like that here. And I'm just, the gray hair tells me different that over time, we have to remain vigilant. We have to remain engaged in the fight wherever we live. And that's not for, for me to say that any of these states where they've where we've had severe restrictions passed, we've given up because we haven't. In fact, we're actually fighting back right now in the court system in some of these states. Um, it's we've got to maintain vigilance and we got to be ready to come to the fight when called upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned some of the states like Oklahoma, uh, you know, some of these Arkansas, some of these states that you think their populations are exploding, you know, there, and those people are moving, moving from California and New York and some of these more populated dense areas to those rural areas. And a lot of times they bring, they bring what they know with them. You know, when, when you grow up in a, in a whole culture where anything above 80 degrees and anything below 30 degrees is too cold for my dog. You grew up with that. You became used to that. I don't care what side of the aisle you vote for. You're bringing those feelings with you because it's what you're used to. That's right. And, and so when they get there and they see these initiatives being introduced at local or state levels, naturally they're going to support it because that's what they're, that's what they've been culturally introduced to and lived with for a majority of their lives. That's right. And, and, and you identify a key problem or a key component of this ongoing problem. We got a lot of folks moving around the country, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it, well, you might have somebody who considered themselves very conservative in California. They moved to Oklahoma and they're not really that conservative by Oklahoma exactly. standards. Right. Yes. And then the other thing that's happened is we're just getting more and more urbanized over time. Folks just moving away from the land, so to speak, generally speaking. So they tend to, their their attitudes towards X, Y, and Z also changes over time more naturally because they're in city environments and all that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, again, a lot of folks that when we see these bills, they don't have ill intention in mind. They just don't recognize the extent to which they're being used by the animal rights movement, right. we know what their end game is. Their end game is yeah. we're, we want to wipe the countryside of hunters, fishers, outdoors folks, sportsmen and women. Mm-hmm. We just want to get rid of them. So that's what we're here for. That's, that's why right. we will go to Oklahoma or wherever to remind folks this is what the end game is all about. Before we Before we move to the New Hampshire thing, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, and maybe some clarification. Uh, being involved in different state organizations and and different things in my lifetime, I have seen, uh, you know, people will pay their dues or they'll get a membership to an organization, and then they think they've done their part. I've done, you know, here we go. I'm a member. Now go fix my problem. When you started this conversation, you were talking about the alerts, telling people that they need to get involved. Sportsman's Alliance, I want to make it very clear to our listeners that we can give you memberships, we can give you all this stuff, but tell us how important it is for people to 
take advantage of that information and then what do you do with it? Yeah, it, and it's an excellent point to kind of to make and remind folks uh, that, you know, when it comes to activation, the American public, if we look at it this way, so our last election was a massive turnout from a historical perspective. 67% of eligible voters showed up to vote. Now, you might say, well, that's still only 67%, but by our own standards here in America, what turnout usually is, that was historic. Mm -hmm. You can cut that by a magnitude. I mean, bring it all the way down to less than 10%, the number of Americans who will actually reach out to their elected officials to say, I like this bill or I don't like this bill. I mean, it's much less than 10% of citizens will actually engage with their elected officials. So I, I hate to get theoretical about this. Think of that elected official. What do we want them to do? Do we want them to do what they think is right or what their constituents think is right? Mm -hmm. So the point I'm trying to make is they're not actually hearing from their constituents. Right. And then we complain they're not doing what we want. When our folks will take the opportunity to actually pick up the phone, emails are a little less effective, or heaven forbid folks actually show up in an elected official's office, knock, 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 I'm one of your constituents. It is surprising to folks how effective they can actually be because often the elected official says, I'm glad you showed up. Yeah. Because somebody finally told me the problems with this bill. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So what we tell our members is not only activate, but become a real resource to that elected official. And I can tell you as somebody who watch it, watches it happen over and over and over again, the power constituents have to help, you know, inform their elected officials can't be denied. It is unquestionable. So true enough, you could just send in your money and say, go do good, good work for us. And we'll do that. We will. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, when it comes to these issues, when you get that alert from Sportsman's Alliance, you know, call, here's the committee members, go ahead and call, please call. I think a lot of people don't do it because they don't believe it actually has an impact. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, it has a massive impact. We are bigger than we often we believe we are. We have more power as individuals because the media is always, you know, they love to tell us the story. It's about the rich and powerful and nobody else gets what they want. I see it when I'm in those offices, how powerful this level of activation can be. Just normal folks letting an elected official know, I don't like the bill, and here's why. It is extraordinarily important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was talking to my representative at one time, and there was a bill on the table, and he explained that just just a few it's not as many people take uh, it doesn't take as many people as to get their attention as what we might think right you know um but when they start getting a lot of attention on it then they know that they need to pay they need to be acting yeah so, and, and 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 so it it here's the great news with it 
is if they aren't getting any attention, that means your voice might be just a handful of people. And then you've uh -huh. got unquestionable power. But when we actually collectively join hands and say, yeah, 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 we're going to reach out and our members often do, then yeah, they get a lot of phone calls and we often get the phone call back saying, man, holy, holy cow, can you shut these phones off, please? No, right. your constituents have an opinion or a voice and that's just the way it is. Yeah. I was, I, I hate to belabor the point, but early on in my career, uh, again, when I worked for NRA, um, I would be in the office when the phone started ringing, when we activated folks. And I would ask, well, how many phone calls have you gotten today? Oh, I've gotten a lot. It's at least 15. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, <laughs> wow, that was very instructive to understand to go back to those basic data points, when you interview American folks who are honest about it, most of them don't do it. And yeah. that's, we, we have the freedom to do one thing or another. I'm just saying it's a wonderful opportunity for us to say this space is important to us. This bill, this tethering bill, or this, you know, hunting restriction bill, whatever it is, we have more, more power than we often realize. So when you get that alert, Follow through and watch what happens. Yeah. Right. Hey, we're getting ready to shift gears in this podcast. And before we do, this is a great spot to tell you about three companies that have put their name on the line and been willing to stand up and help us with the fight to preserve, protect, and promote this lifestyle of being a houndsman. You can find all of our sponsor companies on our new website at houndsmanxp.com, but let's talk about those companies. The first company is Dogs Are Treed, our longest standing sponsor of this show. Kevin and Nancy are serious about the future of houndsmen and the future of hound hunting. Not to mention the fact that they are producing the highest quality gear in the industry from tie-outs to leashes to paws are protected, dogs are hydrated. It's all stuff that you can find on their website at dogsartreed.com or you can go to our website, hit the link and boom, you're right there. You'll also see these products popping up at youth events, at or state organization events, you know, water races, field trials. They're donating their, their products because they believe in this lifestyle. And when you shop with Dogs Are Treed and you enter that promo code HXP20% off, you're supporting this show so we can stand in the fight together. We're standing there together. So another company that I want to talk to you about is Cajun Lights. L.W. Nixon is just a super guy. He's straightforward. Uh, he's he's going to shoot you straight every time. But Cajun Lights is producing a high-quality light, high-quality vest. He's got more stuff coming. And uh, he believes in customer service. He's trying to source as many parts as he can for his lights right here out of the good old U.S. of A. He builds every light that goes out of that shop. So he wants your feedback. We're going to feature him here on a podcast coming up, and you're going to want to listen to that. But you can find that company on our website and watch our social media post for a new promo code coming out where you're going to be able to save 10% on all of their Cajun Light products. The last organization I want to talk about is Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters takes Americans veterans to the field 
gets them reconnected with the outdoor hunting, fishing lifestyle. That is so important for us. When we have America's heroes who are being honored and and taken back to the field that can speak positively about hunting, politicians listen to veterans and veterans vote. And veterans aren't afraid to get in that fight. They're not afraid to challenge people. So if you have not contacted us about hosting a Freedom Hunters event this fall, Man, you need to get busy and get with us. Our calendar is filling up. we got a lot of stuff going on. But you can find out all that information by going to freedomhunters.org. And you can support them there. Or you can register for an event there. Or if you want to make it a one-stop shop, we've got that organization's logo. we got Freedom Hunters on our website. Click on their logo. Boom, you're going to go right to their website. And you can take care of business. All right, guys, let's get back and finish up this conversation with Todd Adkins of the Sportsman's Alliance. Right. Well, let's let's dive into the issue in Vermont, and I'm extremely excited about it. Um, I've been asking for, for a long time, why aren't we suing people back? You know, <laughs> uh, that's how the, the animal rights community has been so effective is they've got everybody in these government or governments, governing bodies, fearful that they're going to be tied up in a lawsuit if they don't do what they want to do. And, and so break down this Vermont lawsuit for our listeners and why it's so important. Sure. Um, yeah, number one, you're absolutely right. It has been a favorite tool of the other side for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we're excited. We've kind of developed a kind of a new paradigm going forward. And we understand that black robes in many cases are going to be, should be, as you've been asking for, should be more a more routine part of what we do. Mm-hmm. In this case, as you said, I'm excited about it too. National wildlife refuges, this is public property, right? This is federal, national, public property. And Sportsman's Alliance has been fighting for a long time to make sure that our outdoor traditions, this is public land, shall be a priority use in such areas unless there's some finding that it's incompatible for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. We've been fighting since the 1990s. Every year... The Fish and Wildlife Service, United States Fish and Wildlife Service, which is the agency that manages national wildlife refuges, issues rulemakings, that is agency rulemakings about hunting and fishing. And they also Mm -hmm. have um, draft plans they issue for individual refuges, like, well, this refuge is going to have this, it's not going to have that, we're going to do this, that. Okay. The Conti Refuge in Vermont is utilized by houndsmen a great deal. As you might expect in the Northeast, land is pretty tough to come by, Mm -hmm. let alone vast tracts. And it's been a very traditional use of the Conti Refuge, bear hunting, right? And hounding. Right. Well, in 2021, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service issued a proposed rule. In the rulemaking process, there's always a proposal at the first stage. They accept comments from input from the public. 
about, I agree with this, I don't. And these days they get tens of thousands of comments from individuals and organizations. And then there's going to be a final rule after they, they're supposed to review the comments, take a look at their proposal, do we need to make any changes? And then they issue the final rule. Well, good government and a requirement of federal law is that your proposal has to be kind of related to your final rule. Right. So that the public is not surprised with the final rule that says a whole bunch <laughs> of stuff that the proposal never talked about. And this yeah. is the most basic rule of administrative law. It's called this rulemaking process. Right. It's like buying a car. You know, you go pick out the car, you, the salesman walks you through, shows you the car. These are the features you're going to have on the car. And then you pay for it and they roll out something that you didn't order. Right. Is like that, the that movie vacation, like a completely different model shows up. You're like, I didn't <laughs> buy this car. <laughs> right, right. Right. And technically that's called logical, the out logical outgrowth. That's, I don't want to get too legal here, but the, right. the proposal has to be logically connected to the final and the final, you have to say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. They're given discretion based on the comments to say, well, we better adjust something in here. Well, in this case, uh, there's summer training period for houndsmen on the Conti over the summer. This has been, again, something that's been going on for a long time. And then there was hunting activities throughout the refuge, including one area in, in particular called Putney Mountain. Okay, the proposal mentions nothing about changing that reality that's existed on the Conti refuge for a long time. Nothing about problems with hounding, we're not going to change. They don't mention anything. The final comes out and they've restricted the training period. They've cut out June and July. And they also yeah. said on Putney Mountain, no more hounding. Grouse hunting with dogs only, but otherwise no dogs allowed. What? Now, exactly. again, we don't know whether or not there was any type of weird like meetings about this because we don't know anything. That's kind of the, we were not provided, we meaning the hunting community, any notice that this was under consideration. The final rule just kind of comes out of left field. It's that car I never bought, right? Being right. pulled around yeah. by the sales. <laughs> so from our perspective, it's a pretty straightforward case and it is. Now, what's important about this case, though, like critically important, it's what you talked about, is the the antis have been pulling apart federal rules like by the comma, like, holy cow, do we find two words that shouldn't be there? We're going to now file suit. Now, Sportsman's Alliance and others, we're never going to engage in that type of just harassing action. But I'll right. tell you this. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to engage in frivolous lawsuits just to burn right. through taxpayer dollars. Exactly. But when it comes to issues like this, where a federal agency, whether it's Fish and Wildlife Service or anybody else for that matter, just out of hand decides to go a little crazy and not provide our community any notice at all, like a basic tenant of this whole process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to show up and file suit. So mm -hmm. together with our partners up there, uh, the Vermont Bearhound Association, the, the Vermont Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs, 
as well as the Vermont Traditions Coalition, we filed suit. Mm -hmm. We're really excited about it. It's very straightforward. So I don't think uh, that a judge can get like, like, I don't think we're going to be surprised by the result. What happens after that, though, um, typically, if I just, I can just presume at least at some level or assume that because this is such a slam dunk case of you pulled the wrong car around, I didn't buy this car as you <laughs> described it. Um, the agency will probably, I can't speak as the judge, but will probably be given another, another opportunity to do this the right way. So we may end up back in the commenting process where we comment on a proposed rule and we'll see whether or not the Fish and Wildlife Service decides at the end of the day that they do want to propose such restrictions. And then, of course, we will file comments along with our partners opposing in any such restrictions without any justification for doing so. So we'll see. Yeah, there's um, there's there's definitely that's a historic thing for me to see you guys doing that. And, and we had other conversations. Um, so can what what can you talked about a paradigm shift in the Sportsman's Alliance mm -hmm. and. Um, we have had some of these discussions between the two of us uh, in our previous calls and things like that. Right. But but what does the future hold for for houndsmen and for all outdoor enthusiasts, hunters, fishers, whatever? What can we expect moving forward from the Sportsman's Alliance with that new paradigm? Yeah. So shift? I think I just want to share with you briefly uh, a case that we're also involved in out in California where. Governor Newsom and his supporters in the legislature passed a bill that would essentially, they call it, you know, prohibiting marketing to, to minors, prohibiting firearms marketing to youth. Yes. Well, the bill goes a lot deeper than that. It basically means you can't hold camps. You can't, you can't involve. No live day, range day at Hunter Ed. All kinds of problems, right? Yeah. Because we know what their end goal is too, and and recruitment and retention of young people into our fold is is what they're trying to undermine, if not right. destroy, right? Um, so we're engaged in a lawsuit. We took that state statute. We're, we're suing the state of California in federal court. No, no, no. This is such a gross violation of the first amendment the second amendment the 14th amendment the fifth amendment are you kidding me like i know you guys want to create the world at the snap of your fingers that you want but no so we stepped up along with other coalition members safari club congressional sportsman's foundation a local group called socal top guns to say no not going to let you go right and in those states where the legislative body is so against us, I mean, the super majority of folks in California in the legislature, I just would call anti-gun and anti-hunting, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to start to utilize this avenue to the black robes more and more. And it's not so much, maybe I overspoke, it's not so much a paradigm shift, but it is our organization, like, training a new focus on the black robes that adjusting to the current correct yeah exactly right so what f 
folks who, who join our organization, including your folks, will see is a more routine, a more regular approach where we are seeking out um, you know, advice, so to speak, from black robes, challenging laws at the state level, as well as what the federal government's doing. And I'm really, you're talking, you're talking about judges. Yep. You know, I, I just want to make sure we're, I want to make sure we get away from a little bit of the lingo here, Todd. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking about judges and, and, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I've, got a follow up, it, I've got a follow-up question here in a minute. Going to the judges more and more and more. Uh, especially in those areas, in those states where the legislature is so foursquare against us. We can't just give up and walk away. So we got three branches of government. Let's utilize all three branches of government. Okay. So it's no secret that the hunting community, and I can speak more specifically to the, the hound hunting community, you know, we're largely conservative uh, conservative in our beliefs. We believe in, you know, we've been, we've developed feelings about lawsuits and, and legislative lawmaking and, and things like that. So what do you say to the person that's like, I don't like this. I don't like having to sue to get what we want. You know, what's your response to that? Yeah, I would. You understand, you understand what I'm trying to I say? I absolutely do. Yeah. But it is it doesn't really fit in with my overall conservative view of things mm-hmm. because that that is stepping outside of the normal policy box. Yeah, they've done it. The, the other side's done it to us for years and we've hated it. But now. Yep. yep. Well, again, in many ways, um, we see it as. I can't sit back and feel comfortable at all with the idea that I'm going to tell folks who hunt in the state of California, hunters out there, sportsmen out there, well, sorry about that. We have got to utilize that third branch, the judges, to actually protect them, to promote them, to to secure Mm -hmm. some future, right, Um, going forward. Because we've just talked about the fact that Overall, we've got a number of states that are trending in the wrong direction, if if not already there, when it comes to the makeup of their legislatures. And in many states, we are talking about super majorities, right? Mm-hmm. New York, California, and many others. In fact, there are more than two dozen states that now have super majorities of one party or the other. So a number of them are democratically held. And I used to I used to fight in the square when that this wasn't a partisan issue, but it's become more right. and more partisan over time. So the point is, we have to utilize that option now. In many cases, like just telling the folks up in Vermont, you don't get to to train your dogs in the summer on Conti. It's just not an option. Uh, telling the folks out in California, sorry, no more kids camps. Does that mean we we like are super comfortable about it? Of course not. I wish we could address these issues in a more direct way, kind of in the policy making sphere. But we got to bring what we can to the fight we have, and and that's kind of the avenue that we need. That we need in many cases. I, I think it's just one of those issues where uh, our opponents, the people on the other side of these issues, recognized that that was a part of the government process. And they took full advantage of it. And 
while they were doing all of this stuff, it developed a bad taste in our mouths and we kind of developed our own paradigm that it was a bad thing. Right. And, and, and now we're seeing, Hey, it can be an effective thing. And just like you alluded to some of these places with those super majorities, there is no other option, right? You know, this stuff's getting crammed down our throats and you can't fix it every time through the governor's office and through your legislative bodies, if you're just outmanned and outgunned at every corner. So, That's right. It's exactly yeah. right. I, you know, so I can sleep well knowing that our founding generation was pretty smart and they built three branches for a reason. Right. So right. we will, I, I, I want to protect our folks. I want to promote mm-hmm. uh, these traditions I care about. So sure. The black sure. robes or the judges, as you call them, is is where we got to go sometimes. <laughs> you got to talk simple to country boys like me. Well, I'm a country boy, too. I just, yeah, you are. You grew up in northern Indiana, southern Michigan, right? That's right. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, I, I went to high school for, in South Bend, so that's a little bit uh, not the middle of nowhere, but no. I was right. born in southwest Michigan, a, a rural farming community, and I picked up black robes somewhere along the way, but you're right. Those are the charges. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked to Brian Lynn a few weeks ago, and one of the things we covered was the um, uh, ban of lead shot on our national mm-hmm. wildlife refuges. And recently we saw that that went to final rule by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. That's right. And, um, it's amazing to me to see even people within the hunting community uh, that that are in support of, of this. It seems like they don't understand the bigger picture and ramifications of that. So um, any plans from the Sportsman's Alliance to address that or too early to say? Uh, you don't want to let that one out of the bag or, or you know, what's, well, I, what's your feelings on it? I can say where we've been and we've certainly been in opposition to vote. When Fish and Wildlife Service proposed that, again, back to that rulemaking process, mm-hmm. we opposed it then. Uh, when they issued the final, we kind of issued a release. We oppose this now. But you raise an important issue, and this is a long-term issue for us, is there are members of the community who say lead is toxic, what's the big deal? Let's go ahead and do this. Mm -hmm. And I understand that at some level because it is true that lead is toxic, okay? Yeah, you know, we don't put lead in paint anymore because of baby cribs and we can still paint stuff. So, you know, what's the big deal? That's right. And the the problem with what's the big deal is there is a massive unknown here. And the unknown is, I could just say, hey, the last... 10, 12, 15 years, I walk into a lot of stores and there's empty ammo shelves, Mm -hmm. let alone I'm paying a heck of a lot more for everything than I ever did before. Now, we could get into what caused that. That's not important right now for our discussion. Let's just say we convert everything to non-toxic. Now, I know this isn't going to happen overnight. Right, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, cop, copper solid bullet right there. There you go. We don't know what that does to the production of ammunition, the supply chain of ammunition, or the cost of ammunition. We don't know. Let's just say you, you held up that, that copper bullet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if all bullets are now copper, what does that do to the price of copper? I don't know. 
Right. And I don't think anybody has a totally firm grasp on that. So while it's absolutely true that lead is toxic, they haven't brought enough evidence of the negative kind of implications of lead use on various and sundry wildlife populations to convince me that the true impact on the hunting community or the fishing community is outweighed by that because holy cow I, I was talking to a guy just a couple of days ago and he said well todd i spend ten dollars a round to go turkey hunting right now mm-hmm. and i said okay that is a lot like holy cow right but what right. if that's forty dollars a round mm-hmm. who is going to give up hunting and not really understand why like all the folks that we know have drifted away from hunting there's a whole host of things that have kind of forced that access issues, cost issues, complexity of uh, regulation. There's a whole lot of reasons for that, but I'll tell you what, it just seems way too commonsensical to me to fight with if a round uh, to go turkey hunting or whatever jumps from $10 to $20 to $30. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're telling folks who don't have like piles of cash laying around. Yeah. Oh, well, it's really expensive now because we don't know what a conversion to a full non-toxic approach for hunting and fishing, what that does to supply chain and overall cost. Does it mean now I never can find ammunition that works? Does it mean every box I try to buy is over a hundred dollars? I'm not trying to like, you know, scream the sky is falling. Nobody will analyze that. And so what we complained about to Fish and Wildlife Service was you've got to take that into consideration. So you give us the studies about eagle populations being harmed and some, okay, but what about the humans, the hunters, the anglers, and whether or not that community, we're going to see more fall off in that community or costs among that community skyrocketing that's part, that should be part of our equation. I, I can drive through a windmill field that's not very far from Columbus. And I know from the science that eagles, neotropical migrant birds, by the ton are killed by those. Yes. But we in America have made, you have to make that calculation. I was getting ready to bring that up. Is Uh, is cleaner energy, does the benefits of cleaner energy outweigh the loss of all these wildlife populations? mm -hmm. Well, you have to make that calculation when it comes to lead ammo and fishing tackle, too. You can't just say, well, if wildlife is being harmed, we need to go ahead and do it. No, no, no. You actually have to look at the whole equation. And, And for me, my community hunters and anglers. I'm like, yeah, you better do more than just just brush that aside. You have to figure out what the impact on us will be. And then we'll compare that to the impact on fish and wildlife populations and make an appropriate decision. That's all we're looking for. That's one of the things that, that I've brought up in response to this. You know, the raptors are eating lead particles in in uh you know as carrying from leftover yeah. wildlife right um you know we're not we're, nobody wants to talk about 
the hundreds of thousands of, of raptors that are killed in windmill, field, windmill fields. Uh, nobody wants to talk about the, the raptors that are flying into skyscrapers, you know, those glass skyscrapers and killing themselves on the side of buildings, semi-trucks, any of these other things. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we're going to do this. And, and you can't tell me it was by happenstance that it started on refuges because most people believe that refuges are not really open for hunting anyway. That's the overall belief. Oh, it's a yeah. refuge. You really can't hunt there anyway. Right. You can't tell me that that's not going to creep over to our national forest property and all federally controlled properties. And then once that's established, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is going to start holding back Pittman-Robertson money from states that don't enact this on their wa state wildlife management areas. It, I've seen it. it. A lot of folks, and, and so I guess in, in many ways we're speaking to our own community right now, a lot of folks are like, what's the big deal? Yes. You know, we've Address got, that. I, I saw the bullets in store. I don't, I don't use it, but what's the big deal? It's already there. The mm -hmm. ramifications, right? Because you're exactly right. Fish and Wildlife Service almost puts its stamp of approval on this. Mm -hmm. And then other agencies are going to say, well, they banned it on refuges. I guess we should go ahead and ban it here. And again, right. without evaluating the true impact on the users, right? At the end of the day, just saying, yeah. well, there's enough science there, some eagles, blah, blah, blah. And then moving on. And before you know it, it becomes a snowball. Again, it, I'm not trying to be the sky's falling guy, but you can. I've watched this happen in other issue areas, yes. and and then it drifts down to the states. I mean, you think about a state like Iowa as an example. A lot of bald eagles show up in the winter in, in Iowa. Well, based on what Fish and Wildlife Service is doing here. And then what other federal agencies might do, it almost becomes an automatic thing. Like, well, who are we to question the Fish and Wildlife Service or anybody right. else? And yeah, you're exactly right. And so then we have, again, a, a nationwide lead ban. Well, let's just go ahead and fast forward if this trail of tears continues, right? We, we have a nationwide ban I don't know what those shelves look like, and I don't know how much each of those boxes cost. Because nobody will do that work. Nobody will say, yes, we put a windmill, a windmill field in because of X, Y. You have to present evidence mm -hmm. of the sure. costs and the benefits. And then we're supposed to, anyway, make an informed decision about what right. the best policy is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you grew up as a houndsman. You grew up coon hunting, and I did. You know, we talked a little bit about that. I did. You were... uh, coon hunting, uh, yeah. black and tans mostly. Once in a while, a red bone, one uh, one walker, because that's uh -huh. boy, that sucker could tree and and signal really well. Uh, but yeah, um, because we were in southern Michigan, I know there were a lot of houndsmen going after bear and everything else up north, but. I, I never had the opportunity as a kid, uh, but yeah, hounds were always around. Uh, it's music to my ears, right? Uh, right. I've, I've tried since then to convince my wife she won't go there, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, she's smart. That was, <laughs> it was first first hunting I ever did. Uh, yeah, it was over those black and tans, so to speak. 
Yeah, I just bring that up so our listeners will know that uh, you know we're partnering with people that that know where we're coming from and and things like that, and and uh, I think it adds credibility. And and after just the track record with Sportsman's Alliance, and then being able to talk to you about about what's really going on over there, uh, I think it just gives people some comfort that we're you know we're just we're partnering with the right people here. So, well, no doubt it's, it's a great office to be in from just that perspective, because, uh, we don't have any, any folks who are just here from a clerical sense, like an administrative sense, yeah. who just kind of here to do a role. I mean, everybody, we talk about it, what'd you do this weekend? Well, you know, like dove hunt, you know, went up and right. Erie because we're in Ohio. Uh, walleye fishing, we're all out outdoors folks. We, we yep. all hunt fish. Now I'm, I'm the only, I think I was actually a professional trapper for a while. So I, oh, really? I tend to be the big trapper of the group. Um, I think, I think that's true. Um, but we come, everybody's doing everything here. We're, we're the yeah. real deal. And I've been in uh, other folks, I've, uh, other places I've worked where not, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. Not everybody was engaged, but we're all engaged. It's just a cool place to work from that, from that perspective. Yeah. 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 Um, you talked about trapping and, or, uh, I don't know what, how you are on time, but, uh, um, I want to talk about the, the Texas issue on mountain lion trapping. Yeah. And the, the initiative that they've started the five-year study down there to include, um, you know, hunters, trappers, and even the animal welfare community, which I drives me nuts. But, uh, yeah, have you been tracking anything on that? I have, and I'm going to be going down the middle of the, the month to attend that annual meeting with those good folks. Um, and there we go. That's Texas. Now, if that isn't proof that they're going to show up everywhere, I don't know what is, quite frankly. Right. Um, and I've talked to folks down there about the way West Texas, what a trap line in West Texas looks like. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh -huh. Right. Um, but I think that's a very good agency. It's, it's run by, obviously, folks from our side of the aisle, so to speak, and how they, they view hunting, fishing, trapping, mm -hmm. everything. But for me, again, it's another wake up call. They're going to show up everywhere and they know when it comes to mountain lions, they know that there are a lot of folks who kind of uh, don't understand hunting, trapping, etc. It's a fuzzy face to them and it's, it's mm -hmm. cute and all that other, you know, stuff. Look, we've got folks who have just not been brought up with an understanding. As you said, they just don't have this base understanding of yeah. the way the, the North American model works or is expected to work or can work or the value of trapping, the reasons we trap and why a population just can't be allowed to just run amok, so to speak. So I feel good about it, at least right now. But again, it, it serves as an important wake up call that they're going to show up everywhere and they're mm -hmm always been well-funded. They're probably more well-funded than they've ever been. I'm talking about the antis. So yeah, I'm going down the middle of the month. I'll meet with some agency folks as well. Um, obviously the folks on the ground, the actual trappers, the folks doing the work. Um, so I, I'm not nervous about it right now. 
um, other than, well, they finally just showed up in Texas too. So more broadly speaking, it it just means we just have to remain ever vigilant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you got anything else you need to throw in the conversation? We could talk for hours, Todd. I I mean, we could just, go off the rails and go down every rabbit path and, but, uh, anything else you got? Well, the one thing I would say, and, and, and one of the things I really appreciate about this organization. So you might have listeners who are contemplating thinking about this, but they might be at a different level and, and wondering, I wonder if I should jump up to grab this membership, this great benefit you're offering to them. Mm-hmm. I would say this, the one thing that makes us different than any other place I've worked, and I've, got a, I've had a long professional career fighting for our people. Um, when you call or write or email this organization, you're going to get an email or a call directly back from me. If you've got a problem with a bill somewhere or want more information about, holy cow, I got that alert. What does this actually mean for me? Because I live right. in whatever state. You're going you're gonna to get a call back from me. We are very um, appreciative of the folks who come to fight with us. And I've just been told from a lot of folks, yeah, I've been a member of a whole host of groups. I've never, wow, that was really cool. That was great. We love member input. We love mm-hmm. to hear from folks because, again, we all of us together believe that it's only for the members and our supporters that we move forward, let alone succeed. So um, and tell folks that you're not going to walk away disappointed from that end of the spectrum. And I, I know you're probably going to say, holy cow, this is a lot of alerts. <laughs> We keep people well-informed of what's going out there. So for anybody who's just contemplating it or thinking about it, I offer at least that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I want you there because I think that's how we make a difference with people. And I think you'll be satisfied if you do so. Right, right. Well, I think it's um, the organization is so important. Uh, That's why I, you know, we started having these conversations about partnering and stuff. But I would just tell people, even if you do not come over and support us on Patreon, support Sportsman's Alliance, support an organization that and I call them the premier organizations for the global hunting community and freedom. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, you guys, you guys know who we are. You guys can relate to who we are. You are us. Uh, you know, it's it's not a deal where. Um, we're going to, we're going to send money and then it's going to be mis We're going to be misrepresented. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. So it, this isn't just a, a grab for Houndsman XP to, to get you signed up on Patreon. We did it because we wanted to do things that were sustainable and we wanted to move our community closer to the mainstream in the conversations about hunting and being effective as a group of, of, of outdoors people. So Todd, thank you, man. Thanks. Thanks for bringing Sportsman's Alliance, uh, you know, to where it is and, and inviting us in like that and welcoming us. Oh, thank you again. I, I, I can't tell you how excited about it I am. And I hope at some level you can invite me back and maybe when we get, have some big issues popping, we can, we can talk to folks about things of, 
that all of us care about, right? Yes. Uh, I can guarantee you, you know, maybe in January or February that there will be well over, I'd say 12 to 15 tethering bills, at least. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a whole lot of other things we have to fight too. So maybe once things really start cooking, I can come back and, and let folks know what's going on. And it's not always good news. I'll, I'll bring the good news too. Right. Uh, but to remind folks, yeah, yeah, they keep coming for us and we'll keep punching back. Right. One of the, one of the things I'm hearing, you know, the, the, the drums are rolling. I'm kind of hearing the, the drums right now is uh, they're coming after mountain lion hunting again in Colorado next year. And it's going to be through ballot initiative. It's not going to be through the rules making process. Right. They tried that they failed. And, and so that's why we're making the push now. We, we can't afford to lose one more. I don't want to give up one more single freedom we have, not one single one. And if we can help prevent that, then that's what we're going to do. And we'll sink this ship trying. So, Indeed. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, Todd, thank you very much. And um, do stay in touch. We'll talk off air and, and kind of get a game plan together how we can make this an avenue for you to get that that word and that news out as yeah. as often as we need to appreciate you all right we do. thanks todd and that's going to do it for this episode of the houndsman xp podcast i'm serious folks we're not messing around anymore you want to be in this fight you want to be able to tell your grandkids that you were involved in this join us please consider it and uh, you can find all the information you need on this at houndsmanxp.com. Uh, hit the support tab. It'll take you over to Patreon. And make sure you fill out your information, your profile completely. We absolutely have to have your name and your address and an email address for you to, to, to include you on the rolls. Until next time, folks, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.